If you could take any left me. Oh, he's coming to me. If you could take any band and temporarily, we don't want to do like a permanent removal, but temporarily remove the singer and replace them with a female singer. Name the band, name the singer. Suddenly I've forgotten every band I know. <laughs> um, this is just the first thing come to my head, so we're going to go with it. I'd put Miley Cyrus in the Damn Rolling it. Stones. That's a good one. <laughs> I was thinking so with Miley because I'm telling you, her plastic hearts and Gosh, zombie I, cover are just perfect. Her entire plastic hearts album. Yeah. No, that whole album. It's, it's so good. I can't stop listening to it. So I'm thinking we're going to choose Adele. Who is apparently making another album coming out yeah. next month. Yeah. 27 or 30. It's her divorce album. Do. So buckle up. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> so I'm going to take Adele. Okay. What band am I going to put her with? That's the hard part. Yeah, that is the hard part. I think I'm going to put her backing band, so to speak. Fuck it. We're going to go with it. First thing came to my head. Blink 182. <laughs> Blink-182 and Adele. Okay. I want to see it. I want to see it. Okay. That That's the that's the band. There you go. Blink-180 Adele. <laughs> no. They cannot be called that. <laughs> then we'll call them Adele-182. Okay. That's better. <laughs> anyway. I'm Bethan. And I'm Leah. And this is She Will Rock You. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, hold up, before I haul you, let me turn down the thermostat. This is bad. We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will Rack You. And I lost my phone. Oh, here it is. I need this for this intro. Okay, so you know how, like, when we start researching an episode, mm-hmm. the universe gives us weird signs? Yes. So today, today, like... An hour and two hours ago, I'm at the library and I'm talking to my favorite librarian and I look over and they have Dolly Carton. You're kidding me. I I was like, this is going to be weird. What does the the quote say? It's one of her quotes about books. It says, you can never get enough books in the hands of enough children. Um, And I I like look over and I'm like does that say Dolly Carton? And she goes, yeah, it's a joke with the staff. And I was like, no, you don't understand. That's the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, can I take a picture of that? I know that's weird, but I have my reasons. And she's like, sure. And so we got Dolly Carton and I'll send this to Beth and to post. That's incredible. With the graphics. But I was like, okay, I guess that means that I'm doing the right person this week. That's right. Um, you got the sign. We're talking about Queen Dolly. And I know someone out there is going, what the hell? Dolly's not rock. And to that, I have a whole list of points that are going to counter your argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one is that we would not have rock music without country music. Correct. Especially the storytelling element that some artists have pushed to the like, extreme. Um, but a lot of times we talk about how early rock artists were influenced by country music, especially yep. if they grew up in the southern U.S. 
number two, Dolly Parton is arguably one of the most influential, if not the most influential female artist in the history of ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we started this show, we knew we wanted to include some quote unquote rule breakers to highlight other important women across all genres. Uh, number three, if being the kindest, most unproblematic humanitarian saint of a human being that Dolly is, isn't the most rock and roll thing to ever exist, then I'm going to quit this show. Yep. Uh, and number four, it's our show. So if you don't like it, fuck off. Yep. <laughs> you could have just said that first point, but I understand for the outline purposes. Yeah. No, <laughs> we had to present a four point argument on why I'm doing this. Oh well, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think I decided during our last recording, I was like, I'm going to do Dolly in January. And uh, I was not prepared for the journey that that was going to take me on. Yeah. I feel enlightened now. And because of that, I want to like mention the two main sources I used for this. Uh, number one is a podcast series called Dolly's Parton's America, which when I Google Dolly Parton uh, autobiography, this came up because it's, it's very recent. It came out in 2019. Yeah. Uh, produced by a division of NPR and hosted by my bro, Jad Abumrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love him. I love radio lab. And like, I didn't know it was hosted by him and I started playing it and I was like, <gasps> perfect. This is the perfect source. I mean, it was, it launched last year. So it's like I said, super recent. Um, it talks about the influence that Dolly Parton has on America, not just like the musical mm-hmm. part of it, but like as a culture and like dissects, uh, a lot of the thought process that like Tennesseans have about her mm-hmm. as well as the rest of the world. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a journey. I feel like I, I learned a lot from it, not just about Dolly, but about like my own upbringing. The other is Dolly's own autobiography that also came out last year. Uh, it's called Song Teller. I really wanted to buy the book, but it was $45. Holy shit. And like, I love Dolly, but I, I'm not paying $45 yeah. for a book. I am sorry. It's full color. Like, uh, it's it's a lot of pages. It Each chapter is about one of the songs she's written in her life. Mm-hmm. But shout out to Audible Free Trial for getting that for free. There so you go. that's how I listened to it, which the audiobook was cool because they played the song snippets instead of just that's like... Nice. Uh, you reading them on a page. So this is obviously a very, very condensed version of those things. If you want to learn more, I highly recommend the podcast series. Go listen to it. It will change your life. I'm not going to do Jad justice in this, and I'm sorry. I love you. So let's get started, because I've been busting at the seams to present this. I think you've sent a text almost every single day telling me how excited you are for this episode. I'm very excited. I'm not even drunk anymore. This is just me. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I may lose my voice. I'm sorry. Uh, So Dolly Rebecca Parton was born on January 19th, 1946, which means that the Friday that this comes out, her birthday was Tuesday. I did not plan that. Uh, She was born in a one room cabin in the banks of the Little Pigeon River in Tennessee. She's the fourth of 12 children. Excuse me. Did you just say... A small cabin and then 12 children. A one room cabin. With, with 12, 12 children. With 12 children. At this, when she's born, she's only the fourth. Um, they do end up moving to a slightly larger one room cabin, but still a one room cabin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- this also isn't like the 1800s. This is 1946. Right. But they lived in Backwoods, Tennessee. Like, uh, 
she was the fourth of 12 children. Her parents were A.B. Lee and Robert Lee Parton. She was paid for with a bag of cornmeal when she was delivered. Hmm. They had a, a mountain man doctor who would literally go around the mountain on his horse and buggy uh, to take care of various ailments and childbirths. And uh, it's 1946 in the country. So we don't have health insurance. We just barter for things. And they paid for their childbirth with a sack of cornmeal, which is the kind of American health care we need to bring back. <laughs> I would love to get a lot of things for a bag of cornmeal. Yes. I would love to, I mean, delivering a baby now is like, what, $5,000? More. Oh, that's that's with insurance. Yeah. So, cornmeal. It's, it's expensive. It is expensive to bring you people in this world. This is why I do not have a small human. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Dolly's father, he's, he was known as Lee. He worked in the mountains of East Tennessee uh, doing various jobs. He started as a sharecropper. He later had his own small tobacco farm and he would also work a lot of construction jobs because he had 12 or 13 mouths to feed. So he needed a lot of income. Uh, he never learned to read, which is important. Pin that for later. Mm -hmm. uh, but Dolly said that he was one of the smartest people she ever met and always knew like what was the right move to do in business and how to make a profit. And she learned a lot from him doing her own business ventures. Wow. Uh, Avi Lee mom would care for the family and would often entertain all of her children with the Smoky Mountain ballads and folklore that have been passed on from generation to generation. Uh, one thing that I, I like, I guess I knew subconsciously, but never like thought about is where these songs and tales came from. They came mm -hmm. from English settlers from the British Isles. Yeah. So they started as English folk tales that just kind of got morphed and made into new uh, new songs with the instruments available in, you know, backwoods America versus right. English. Because bluegrass comes from Celtic music. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of Dolly's ballads uh, were inspired by these tales, which are really freaking morbid. Yeah, uh, they are. It's like you know how nursery rhymes are all actually really creepy when you yeah. think about them it's like that like they're telling five-year-old stories about babies dying at birth Ooh. and like women cheating on their husbands and being sent to mental institutions oh god and they're just like eh, they'll, yeah. they'll grow into it um i also want to point out that her mother may have been psychic so there were a lot of cool instances where her mom would Give have me an example yeah these dreams uh, Dolly said she remembers one night she was like 10 ish. And so she has three older siblings. I don't know all their names. There's too many to keep track of. Um, and her mom just sat bolt upright in the middle of the night one night and was like, your older brother's been in a car accident. We need to go help him. And she just got in the car and directed her dad to the exact spot where the crash had just happened. And his wheels were still spinning on oh, his car geez. and they were able to like, get him uh, he would have died if they had not been there it was a pretty bad accident holy cow um so it was stuff like that uh, you know ugh, it, it it's cool but also it kind of gives me a little you know a little sh shiver yeah it's kind of creepy yeah yeah um dolly started performing at age 10 she didn't just perform like for friends and family she performed professionally appearing on a local tv and radio shows mm -hmm. um Around this time, she and her, obviously they had a bunch of kids and they needed to move because of her dad's job. So they moved from the Pittman Center area to a farm up in like 
up in the mountains. You could not see or hear your neighbor. Wow. Like you were alone. Uh, in the Dolly Parton's America series, Jad and, and company, they go visit it. And like, I feel like even growing up in the middle of nowhere, it still sounds like it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. To this day, it's still in the middle of nowhere. Um, and Dolly loved loved living in this house with her family she most of her cherished childhood memories happened here um one of her most famous songs is my tennessee mountain home which she wrote just encapsulating like the freedom that she felt growing up here and live like growing up so close to her family Mm -hmm. um in the 1980s she actually found the house and repurchased it and rehabilitated it oh wow it's kind of become her spiritual retreat where she'll just like if she wants some time away to think and that's nice she'll just lock herself up in the house um and she's restored it back to how she remembers it as a child like wow her dad's work boots are sitting next to the door holy cow that's awesome yeah um obviously she had no tvs or movie or anything out in the middle of the woods um, they rarely even got magazines out that far, much less newspapers. Mm-hmm. So her earliest ideas of like beauty and glamour came from two very different places. Um, first was her church upbringing. So she would read these stories about like glittery kings and queens and and hear them like basically described in a fairy tale way. Yeah. The figures in the Bible. But then when she would go into town, she'd see the streetwalkers, as they called them, and She's like, I knew that they called these people the trashy ladies, but to me, they were just beautiful because they had this big blonde hair and they wore bright colors and tight clothes. And like, she knew from a young age that that's what she wanted to be. She wanted to dress like the town hookers because to her, they were just pretty and they were shiny for a dolly. they were shiny and sparkly like these people she had grown up hearing about (laughs) being like worshiped. She knew that she wasn't like naturally beautiful in the way that like society wanted her to be. And so she just wanted to be colorful and be seen. Um, that's so sweet. And so that's what she based her, her image off of. So like I said, she started performing at age 10 on these radio and TV shows. And she like very early on recognized that that was the only way she's going to get out of her podunk town in Tennessee. So she like studied hardcore. Um, her, grandfather so her mom's dad was a pentecostal preacher so they attended church really really frequently Mm -hmm. uh which worked great to her advantage because she spent all this time learning how to play all of these instruments like uh she said she had these memories of like her uncles coming over and like one day one would have a banjo and would show like her how to do a couple things on the banjo and then the next day someone would also have a guitar and someone would have a a jaw harp and like she got a very wide range of mountain music knowledge in a very short period of time yeah one of her favorite things to do was there was an abandoned church by her house that kind of had like this like creepy old piano Mm -hmm. but she would just go in there and write songs at like 11 years old and plunk them out on this old attitude piano i love little dolly she's so cute she was living the dream having free range of this mountain, writing her songs. Uh, the first song she ever wrote sh- that she remembers, her mom still had the papers, mm-hmm. like when she was way later, and it was about her corn husk doll. Oh, <laughs> I love it. And she wrote the lyrics down, and her mom kept them for a really long time. Uh, so obviously she grew up uh, 
very in in touch with musicality and her family Mm -hmm. and she grew up very close to her family like not just her brothers and sisters but her aunts and uncles and right and everybody uh, which will become important in a little bit um so she graduated from seaver county high school in 1964 and then moved to nashville the next day because she's got goals mm-hmm. and she wants to meet them uh, and when she moved there she just kind of wanted to be a songwriter like she she knew that performing was where the money was but her original goal was just to be a songwriter yeah and she wrote uh, songs with her uncle. So the two of them teamed up. And I guess I guess he moved with her. I'm not really clear on that. What a move, though. I know. And at 18, yeah. you're just like, bye, family. When I'm moving to really Nashville. all you really known is Mountain. Yeah. Oh, it was a culture shock. For sure. Yeah. Because um, it's the 60s. And Ooh. she's kind of, she was kind of living a little bit back in time. And then you moved to Nashville in the 60s. And um, yeah, I can't imagine what that was like. Yeah. For real. Um, so she eventually got signed as a singer, not as a songwriter, with Monument Records at the age of 19, which they really wanted her to be a bubblegum pop singer. And that's not really what she wanted, but she wanted the money. So she just mm-hmm. kind of stuck out with it. And she did a few singles, but it never really went anywhere. And so she finally was like, you know, this this isn't me. Can I record some country songs? And they said, no, your voice has too much vibrato. <laughs> You don't record no <laughs> no you don't fit the genre so that shows what they know what we've learned on this podcast is music producers act like they know but they don't know they don't know they do not know don't trust them uh if if ratatouille the musical has shown us anything <laughs> it's that you don't need to listen to what mainstream media says is going to be right. successful just do it yourself that's right um so while she was with them, I guess she, she wrote a song for someone else that went to number six in the country charts. It was the song Put It Off Until Tomorrow, recorded by Bill Phillips, uh, in which Dolly actually sang the harmony but never got credit for. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, fine, you can record some country songs. I guess you're good at it. Mm-hmm. And she recorded Dumb Blonde, which is one of my favorite songs of hers. It was her first country single. It reached number 24 on the country charts. You know, not both for first start. Not too shabby. Her second was called Something Fishy and it hit 17. So she's getting there. And both those songs wound up on her debut album called Hello, I'm Dolly. Just one short of Hello, Dolly. Yes. And that came out in 1967. Uh, Also at this time, I should mention Dolly got married. Oh. To Carl Dean, who she's still married to. They've married 50-something years. Wow. He is an intensely, intensely private man. No one knows what he looks like. Are you serious? He does not make public appearances. Hold on. Hold on. I got to go Google this. There's like two photos of him. There's one from like two years ago and one from like 50 years ago. And that's about it. Carl Dean Dolly Parton. And one a tabloid got of him leaving their apartment. Yeah. You're not kidding. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I get this. I get it. You want to be quiet. If I was famous, this would be Zach. He'd be like, no one can see my face. 100%. I am hiding. Um, But to hear her talk about him, they love each other so much. They just are the cutest couple. And I wish them the best of life because. So great. They're so sweet. Um, And he's been with her throughout her whole career. all. All the way to the top. So. 
we stand Carl and Dolly. So as she's starting to launch her solo career as a country music artist, she got invited to join the Porter Wagoner show, which uh, was kind of like a variety show mm-hmm. hosted by, at the time, Porter Wagoner and the female vocalist, as she that's that was her role, was Norma Jean. And Norma Jean left to pursue her own career. So they needed to replace Norma is Jean. Is this the Norma Jean of Marilyn Monroe? No. Okay. This is just some girl named Norma Jean. Interesting. Um, and so they offered Dolly the part and she was like, hey, that's pretty good opportunity. I'll take it. And um, at first, they, the studio audience hated Dolly. They no. booed her. They, at, they kept chanting, bring back Norma Jean um, to the point where Porter had to get out there and just be like, guys, give her a chance. Yeah. She's really good. I promise. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, and eventually they did warm up to her and accept her and she's there for about six years and a lot happens in those six years. Number one, uh, Porter convinces RCA records to sign Dolly, but they also sign a separate contract as a duet. So she kind of has these two careers. Mm -hmm. She's got solo Dolly and she's got duet Dolly. Okay. Um, and because RCA knew Porter and knew he was successful, they insisted that they release their first song of that deal as a duet. So they record a cover of some older song. It's not important what it was. And it immediately jumps to the top 10. And every time that they would release a duet for the next 10 years, it would mm. be in the top 10. I'm both happy for Dolly, but it's also like this. Oh, just wait. Okay. Um, but... So this gives her the opportunity to launch her solo career as well because she's got a uh, contract with them. But her solo singles just don't do as well as the duets do. Like the duets are consistently hitting in the top 10. Yeah. Her stuff's just kind of squeaking out. Um, And so one day Porter, who was, for all his faults that we'll talk about, he was a genius businessman. He knew how the music Mm -hmm. industry worked. He knew the country music audience. Uh, He said, you know, you should go on the show and sing uh, a cover of Mule Skinner Blues, which the song's not important for the context of the show, but it was a really popular song and it showcases her talent really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some reason that does it. It is her first number one single and then she just continues. Mule Skinner Blues. Yeah, there's actually on her website rare footage of her singing it. So props to whoever saved that all this time um so then she goes home and she writes two songs one night just hanging out with carl Mm -hmm. and uh that was a good night for her because the first one is jolene oh i love that song and the origin of that song i have to put it in here it started because every time carl would go to the bank this one bank teller would flirt with him Mm. And she, Dolly can take anything and you make it into a song. You can't do that to Dolly. It was, she said it was no ill will. She just knew. The thing about Dolly is she can put herself in anyone's shoes, in any situation, and write a song about it. So she started yeah. thinking of like, what if Carl was cheating on me? And then one night during, uh, after some taping for Porter Wagoner, this little girl came up to her and asked her to sign an autograph. And she said, well, who should I make it out to? The little girl said, my name's Jolene. And she said, oh, you must be named after your daddy. Is his name Joe? She goes, no, my name's just Jolene. She said, oh, that's a really pretty name. If you ever hear me write a song about you, uh, about Jolene, you'll know that you inspired it. And so the song Jolene was born. 
Um, oh my gosh. Does that girl please tell me that she like 20 years later met up with Jolene? I have no idea. Dolly said that she has no clue what happened to her. Oh. But I hope that she knows that that song. I hope Jolene knows. The re- the way she came up with the tune is after the- she met that girl, she kept trying to remember the name Jolene so she could write it down. She started going, Jolene, Jolene, Oh Jolene, my gosh, Jolene. she's a genius. Yeah. Dolly is a fucking genius. Genius. Someone in the podcast series said that if Dolly had been born in any other era, she would have been Mozart because yeah. she is just such a talented songwriter. Yeah. It's incredible. Um... And we have we have a lot to cover. I'm only on page three, but I want to talk about that song specifically for a second and why it is so important because it represents a tonal shift in the way that women wrote about other women in country music. Mm-hmm. So up until then, female artists kind of just had one song about cheating and it was you dumb bitch. You yeah. took my man. Exactly. Uh, Loretta Lynn was most famous for this. Up in, she had yep. her songs are great. They're not. There's nothing wrong with them, but it was basically just like, I'm going to get back at this dumb woman who came and stole my man. It did not blame the man at all. It was always the woman's fault. Mm-hmm. And they, it was always the cheated on spouse complaining about the mistress. But Jolene is different in Jolene. Dolly humanizes Jolene and she's not calling her a dumb bitch. She's just saying, please don't take my man. He's the only thing good in my life. If you do this you will ruin everything for me please do not take him and it i think it just shows what will ultimately be the tone of dolly for like the rest of her entire career yeah um but it just shows that dolly is a bigger person and just knows how to write a story in an unproblematic way yeah i don't know where i'm going with that it's a good point though but yeah um so things look great right no Life is not as happy as the show makes it seem. Porter was extremely controlling. They mm-hmm. fought all the time. And Dolly says in one of the interviews in her book that she grew up with like seven brothers. Yeah. So she she grew up. She knows how to like lay it down and be like, listen, this ain't going to happen. She knows how to not take shit from a man. Yep. And knows how to get her way. And she did not react well to Porter telling her what to do. And then... That would cause Porter to react because he didn't like that Dolly was getting bigger than him. Oh, whoops. So they, f- she said that she, she and Carl have never fought once. She and Porter fought every single day for six years, uh, like an old married couple. And because of this, rumors start to circulate that the two of them are having an affair because they're spending. <sighs> it's like, man, they're fighting a lot. You know what that means? Affair. <laughs> affair. Yep. Um, which I mean, yeah, they spent a lot of time working together, but they, so interestingly enough, neither of them have ever proven or denied this claim. They both have just, they avoid the question in interviews. She wouldn't. Um, She too good. But in that autobiography, Dolly does say that she was in love with him, but not in a romantic kind of love. They were just in love with each other's genius and ideas but eventually it just gets to be too much. And yeah. They're both, they're both not good for each other. Yeah. They need to, to it's not a good match. Yeah. They need some time away from each other. She needs to go do her own career. And so one day she walks into Porter's office with her guitar and she pulls it out and she says, I'm leaving your show, but I want to play you something first. 
And remember how I said she wrote two songs on that night? The other one that she wrote was I Will Always Love You. So she pulls out her guitar and plays it for Porter as her parting message. That is her parting message to Porter Wagner. And if you go and listen to her version of the song after knowing that, like, it kind of hurts. Like, you can tell that when she wrote that, she was, she knew she was going to end up leaving him and she wrote it for him. And so they both started crying in their office and he said, you know, I understand you can go, but I have one condition. She said, what? He said, I want to produce that as your next single. And so they, they kind of, well, that's cute. Kept a distant working relationship that he knew what he was doing and the producing side of things. And so he would produce some of her stuff for the next couple of years. Um, so she agreed and she ended up leaving. Um, so they end up releasing that song. It's a huge success. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, Elvis actually was very interested in recording a cover really? of the song, but because Elvis was Elvis at that time, anyone, uh, any songwriter who had a song covered by Elvis had to agree to give up half of the royalties. Fuck no. That's what Dolly said. Um, she didn't want to give up half of it. She knew better than that. Her dad taught her better than uh-huh. that. And so she said, no, I'm, unless I can keep all the songwriting royalties, you can't cover my song. Um, it's going to be like that with everybody. Yeah. Like seriously, who the hell you think is, you're Elvis Presley. I don't give a shit. You ain't coming for half my funds. Uh, so she's always kept that same ideology. She will not give up any of her songwriting credits on any of her As songs. She should not. Um, and it has helped her retain millions of dollars yeah. in songwriting. Good for her, man. I think what we're seeing here, Leah, as I kind of talked about on our previous Fleetwood episode, this is actually Dolly Dolly's application to become a patron saint of this oh, podcast. Dolly is my... You can have Stevie. I'll have Dolly. Because literally, like, what we're seeing here is someone who's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yep. And we need more women like that. Dolly is my patron saint. I want a prayer candle with Dolly on it now. <laughs> um, so years later, uh, Whitney Houston recorded her famous version of yeah. it for the movie. I didn't know that it was for a movie. Really? It's for the movie The Bodyguard, which I've never seen. I think obviously. I knew that in my head, but. Yeah. Um, and at the time, like Dolly knew it was kind of in the works, like their lawyers were talking about it cause they were trying to figure out the, the royalty cut, uh-huh. but Dolly never knew that things were finalized and that Whitney recorded it. And one day she was literally driving home and she heard it on the radio oh, no. and she was so blown away by Whitney's performance that she pulled over on the side of the road and just sobbed. She wow. said that she's like, she just couldn't believe that her song sounded like that. And it was so beautiful. Jeez. Um, so wow that's crazy i i knew deep down that dolly wrote it but i had forgotten it's it's the uh oh this is my next bullet point that song holds the record for the best-selling single written by a woman in music history wow thank you dolly (coughs) we're halfway there (laughs) (laughs) so from 1974 to 1980 dolly kicks off her country solo career separate from porter mm-hmm. she's super successful had eight number one singles in a row but then the 80s hit and unlike every other band that we've talked about in the rock world who you know the 80s hit life mm-hmm. changed they couldn't adapt right jolly's the queen of adaptation so she decides she wants to branch a little bit more into mainstream is pop. there a moog coming in the picture 
I don't think so. Damn. Um, I also want to point out that around this time, she started working with her her would-be manager for 25 years named Sandy Gallen, who, to listen to him, her talk about him, he's just this adorable flamboyant gay man in in the 80s in uh country music and he just she said he was really bad and no one um he wasn't really made to go into showbiz he just kind of like guessed his real passion was interior design and he should have done that he should have never gotten into showbiz but i loved it that's so sweet um and also around this time as she's starting to branch out she starts to take more of a role in her own production um getting up until now it had been porter but she learned a lot and so mm-hmm. obviously you want creative control over your stuff sure. so she releases a crossover album called new harvests which i think is a stupid name reminds me of a church yeah it, it only did okay so in 1977 she released here you come again which is for some reason, my favorite Dolly song. I just love it. Uh, it's kind of trashy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and her publicity team is a freaking genius. I don't know who's booking her stuff at this point, but they book a back-to-back interview with Barbara Walters and then an appearance on the Carol Burnett show. Ooh. Like, right after the song drops and her popularity just explodes. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. You got two uh, 70s icons here. Yeah. Uh, and so she gets super famous. We all know. By 1980, she decides to start dabbling in filmmaking. And she takes the story of her time with Porter Wagoner and helps to co-write 9 to 5. <gasps> oh, 9 to 5! Which she starred in and wrote the theme song to. It is also a success, or not very successful Broadway musical. But still, Lily Tomlin, I think it's... Jane Fonda. Yep. Dolly Parton. Yep. Yep. Um, and I just want to tell a story about the time that I was in theater camp, Christian theater camp. No. And they chose to have us dance to nine to five, but they took out the whole my husband Dick line <sighs> because we couldn't say Dick when it was literally his name. <sighs> that's that's my nine to five story. That's funny. Um so when the movie released, they released nine to five as a single because why not that's a great song and dolly became one of the few female country singers to ever have a number one single on the country and pop chart simultaneously i would say taylor's probably beaten that record now possibly but she was one of the first uh and she actually for a while had a triple number one on the country pop and contemporary charts wow so that's cool also in the 80s, she recorded the Grammy award-winning album Trio with Emmylou Harris and Linda Ronstadt. Oh, yeah. They did a whole album together. I have an Emmylou Harris and a Linda Ronstadt album. You should the, listen to Trio. Final. Yeah. So once her pop phase was over, the next few years are considered to be her bluegrass period. And for the sake of time, I'm going to boil it down to two very important points. Her first bluegrass album in 1999 was called The Grass is Blue. That's all you gotta say. Which is the most genius bluegrass album I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Title. I've I've only heard a few songs. And then her third bluegrass album, Halos and Horns, which was released in 2002, there's a bluegrass cover of Stairway to Heaven. I love it. Only her. Only her. Which I'm going to play the intro of. 
which I'm not gonna play the whole thing, but the fact that that, that exists <laughs> that she does some, in there, yeah, she's really good mm. at like improving and doing like little trills and stuff, but also covering dead space with talking. Yeah, um, I mean she's a genius. Uh, yeah, that's something I didn't know I needed in my life until I found it. Yeah, and it's genius. In 2005, Dolly was nominated for her second Academy Award. The first was for Nine to Five. Uh, when she wrote a song for the film Transamerica, which is about a trans woman, because of this and because it was 2005 America, uh, Dolly received death threats. She, I didn't know she did that. Yeah, it was a big deal at the time. Why don't I remember that? Because the country music community obviously was not supportive of this. The Christian community that rallies around Dolly was not supportive of this. And Dolly is just like, dude, people just need to be who they are. Yeah. Let them be free. And everyone's like, no, we need to kill Dolly. Oh, How dare please. she write a song about for this movie? And I mean, they shouldn't have been making death threats anyway, but yeah. the actual song literally has nothing to do with being trans. It's just about being yourself and expressing yourself. Yeah. And she wrote it for the movie but people just had issues. I mean, they still have issues, but anyway, uh, that was the first time, one of the first times that Dolly became the gay, gay icon that she is now. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. Um, and then later that year in 2005 was probably my first real conscious moment of hearing a new Dolly song on the radio. Yeah. Cause 2005 Leah was very, very into country music. Yeah. <laughs> And that year she had a number one single with Brad Paisley called Where I Get Where I'm Going, which will make me cry every time I listen to it. But it's such a good song. It's about uh, it, Brad and Dolly sing about like what, so what heaven's going to be like when they get there. Aww. And they sing a line about he sings a line about <sighs> meeting his grandpa. That's so cute. I was listening to songs about suicide in the emo days and it's so cute. <laughs> 2005 Leah was not emo yet oh 2005 Bethany was in the footsteps of her older brother <laughs> every single album he listened to got passed down to me under oaths they're only chasing safety See, I didn't every have an question. older sibling to pave the way that's true it I was quite a time spent a lot of time with my grandparents begged, <laughs> begged my mom that year to let me go to Hershey Park to go to Warp Tour and she said no but she still took me to Hershey Park so it was okay <laughs> I mean, well, because my brother went to Warped Tour oh, okay. in Hershey Park. Yeah. It wasn't just like, let me take you to the thing you want not give it to you. <laughs> We're going to go that day, but you can't go see any of the acts. No, my brother went to Warped Tour at Hershey Park. I went and hung out with the, the Reese's dude. <laughs> the Reese's mascot. I've never been to Hershey and I really want to go. The whole town smells like chocolate. That's it, what I've it heard. It is true. I did drive through it back on my summer struts oh, extravaganza. Yeah. It's cool. But there was no time. To it's stop. a cool town. It's a cute little old town. Um, in 2007, she launched her own record company because why not? Of course. Aptly named Dolly Records. No need to name anything else. Which is just one of the many, many things in her entertainment empire. Uh, in 2017, this really has nothing to do with anything. I just thought it was cool. Dolly sang a duet with Kesha on her 2017 oh. album Rainbow, which was a cover of a 1980s pardon, pardon hit that Kesha's mother co-wrote with Dolly. Oh, you're kidding me. Old Flames Can't Hold a Candle to You. Wow. I was like... I didn't know Kesha's mom was a songwriter. I didn't either. That's so cool. I thought it was cool. 
Um, I guess this is also the time where I should throw in that Dolly will literally record a duet with anybody. And I don't mean uh, that in a bad way, but like if you're a singer yeah. and you're somewhat famous and you say, Dolly, will you be on this track with me? She'll be like, sure. I she's, love that. She's done stuff with Miley. Obviously, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Pentatonix. Uh, pretty much everyone has a song with Dolly, especially country artists. Yeah. To write a passage. <coughs> it is. If you get Dolly on your song, you've made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2018, the movie Dumplin' aired on Netflix. Yes, I remember that. And this is when, like, Dolly was pretty big. Like, I consciously remember, like, I've always known about Dolly because I went to Dixie Stampede when I was little in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, and, like, I went there too. I think yeah, everyone yeah. went there. But I feel like in the last couple years, there's been a Dolly resurgence. She's yeah. just become huge and one of the things that leads to this event is dumpling so if you're not familiar with it it's a movie that aired on netflix it was produced by jennifer aniston who also plays the mother um and the book the book came out i want to say in like 2015 ish Mm -hmm. and they knew about it because the main character is obviously really obsessed with dolly parton Mm -hmm. it's this bond that she has with her aunt who has passed um and some some people came to dolly and they're like hey you should produce this movie it's all about your music and dolly's like no that would be very self-serving i am not gonna do that but if someone else wants to do it i'll give them the the rights to the music to do it mm-hmm. and so a couple years later jennifer aniston comes up and was like hey dolly can we use your music in this movie and dolly was like i will do you one better we're gonna record a bunch of new versions for the song oh. so the soundtrack is 12 tracks uh, 12 Dolly tracks. She performs on every single one of them, obviously, because they're her stuff. Mm-hmm. She wrote six new ones. Why and not? the other six are like re recordings of some of her really early stuff mm-hmm. that she does differently. So you get like an, a string version of Jolene, which is incredible and so good. Um, there's duets with L. King, Miranda Lambert, Mavis I love Staples. L. King, and I love Mavis Staples. Alison Krauss. Ron- oh, I love Alison Krauss. Oh, she's bringing out all the, all of them. All the ones I love. Rhonda Vincent, Sia, and Macy Gray. So, That's it is fantastic. a phenomenal soundtrack. Um, she very easily could have been like, no, just use the recordings that already exist. But mm-hmm. Dolly has no chill. Yeah. And was like, we're going to give you a star-studded uh, soundtrack to make this movie even better. I love it. Which brings us to 2020. Which was not a great year, but for Dolly it was. In 2020 alone, just in last year, Dolly started the Dolly Parton Challenge on Instagram. That feels like six years ago. It was the thing that people were doing with the the four squares where they present themselves on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That was literally Dolly that started it. She runs her own social media account. The woman is a 74-year-old... She runs her own social media account? She's a 74-year-old genius. I love her. Uh, she re-released 93 of her classic albums to be streamed online. Oh, that's good. She released a brand new song called When Life is Good Again to lift spirits during the pandemic. Aww. She released her first album in 30 years, A Holly Dolly Christmas. Oh, I remember seeing that. Her yeah. first Christmas album, sorry. That was not her first album in 30 years. Um, and it's it's a lot of like big name crossovers too. Yeah. Uh, I listened to it. It was really good. She also saved the life of one of her child co-stars in a movie she was filming. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they were they were on a break from filming and the little girl she's probably like six or seven um she just wasn't looking the way that kids do and just like was running across the studio and there was a car coming the other way and dolly just reached out and pulled her back oh wow and like the girl was really shocked she knew that she just barely avoided being squished and uh she said thank you and dolly said well i am an angel you know because i play she plays an angel in the movie <laughs> she is an angel she let's an be angel. honest she's a real angel in life uh i love her so much um so let's talk about some things outside of her music career because that's not all she does yeah in a 2009 interview well, this is also still in her music career but outside of her singing career in 2009 in an interview with larry king she says that she's written over 3,000 songs wow and has been writing since she was seven but that interview was 11 years ago so i'd love to know how many more she's yeah written right because we'll talk about it in a little bit but she she's been busy she's planning for what happens in the future um we'll talk about that she wrote the entire score herself for the stage adaptation of nine to five. She talks in her biography that she actually overwrote. So like the, the, I don't want to call him the villain, but the, the mean guy in nine to five. Yeah. He only has one song in the stage show. Well, she read him five. Mm -hmm. So she actually has plans to hopefully release her unreleased stuff yeah. for nine to five. Cause she just got really into the zone yeah. and really into each character's head and just wrote them a bunch of songs wow. so um when that released the score was praised um that was the musical debut of alice and janney fun fact really yes huh uh the show did not do well though it only had 24 previews and 148 performances yeah it didn't even last a whole season which is sad uh we can't forget about dollywood yep Dolly took most all of her money that she has earned and has put it back into help the economy of East Tennessee grow. That's nice. Uh, East Tennessee up until Dolly really doing this was very, very poor, very underdeveloped. There had nothing to bring people to the area. Mm -hmm. Pigeon Forge kind of was a tourist destination at some point, but once Dolly put in Dollywood it you know you know how theme parks work yeah they attract other attractions and it just made it this huge what i call mountain myrtle beach yeah um, that's a good way of saying it type tourist destination uh so she co-owns dollywood company which operates the theme parks a dinner theater the dolly parton stampede a water park called dollywood splash country a resort and spa all in pigeon forge the stampede also has venues in branson missouri and Myrtle Beach, they mm -hmm. did have one up in like Jersey, but it closed recently. So mm -hmm. um, I didn't know this, but now I want to go back. In June 2011, the Myrtle Beach one became Pirate Voyage Fun. And I really want to go to a pirate themed dinner oh, theater. I like that. I hate Myrtle Beach, though. But it's not a it's not a Dixie Stampede anymore. No. So they go really they spent a whole episode of the podcast on this. I'm not going to go into it in detail but basically what happened was back in 2017 when we started dismantling the confederate yeah. praise of you know that the south does um some people in south carolina said or i think it was south carolina it might have been in atlanta they were like hey maybe you shouldn't call it this anymore because the original stage show was very very um the south was the good guy 
mm-hmm. North was the bad guy. So they, they've since kind of rethemed it. They've taken out some of the problematic language. Yeah. Um, it's now just Dolly Parton stampede. Yeah. One of the funny moments is they go to interview one of the showrunners after they did all this retheming and they're like, the North used to be, used to be uh, blue and gray. Now it's red and green mm-hmm. were the colors. And they said, so what do you, or is it still North versus South? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, isn't that, isn't that problematic? And they're like, no, it's North Pole versus South Pole. Aww. It's Christmas themed now. Oh. It's Christmas in like the South. So that's cute. It's cute. Um, that's a good idea though. Yeah. They spend I think the when I saw it, I had no idea. I, I only remember seeing a horse running around. That's pretty much all I remember all as well. All I remember of it. I remember that and I remember eating the chicken with my hands. Yeah. It was the coolest Always thing. eating the chicken with your hands there and at uh, medieval times. Yes. The Stampede is a superior show to medieval times. Yes. Um. Also, I didn't put this in here and I just remembered it and it really has nowhere to go. But um, around that same time, the... Let me get this right. The governor of Tennessee noticed that all the busts in the state capitol are a bunch of dead white guys mm-hmm. some of which may or may not have founded the kkk hmm. so he said hmm, let's let's not do this he said he made it his mission to diversify the busts that are in the state capitol and get rid of some of the problematic ones mm-hmm. and the first person he chose to add to that array was dolly parton as he should because he said no one exemplifies the tennessee spirit as much as she does yeah um Dolly has done a ton of acting. I have narrowed it down to the very highlight highlights. Uh, Steel Magnolias, one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Dolly's the hairdresser. She did have her own variety show for one season. It didn't really take off, uh, but I would totally watch that. I need to. I feel like I need to dig that up and watch some of it. She starred in episodes of a whole bunch of things, but the notable ones are The Magic School Bus, Aww. The Simpsons. She was Hannah Montana's Aunt Dolly. Yeah. Because in real life, if you don't know, she is Miley Cyrus's godmother. Right. Uh, way back in like the late 80s, uh, Dolly and Billy Ray collaborated on a song and she just really loved Billy Ray and they hit it off and yeah. they've been best friends ever since. And uh, Dolly and Miley have collaborated a lot. They're, I think they're pretty close from my understanding. They are. They're... I mean, how would you not be close with Dolly? Yeah. Dolly never had children. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's really close with both her like biological nieces and nephews and Miley and like Miley's siblings. So yeah. everyone calls her aunt granny, which Aww. I don't really understand, but that's um, cute though. She also, I had to put this in here. She also voiced a gnome in Romeo and Juliet <laughs> alongside Ozzy Osbourne. I love it. Which my brain cannot compute. And I really need to watch Romeo and Juliet again, apparently. Yeah. I also think Julie Andrews is in that. I may be wrong. Pulling her out of retirement else. for a gnome? For to be a gnome. Uh, and then last year, there was an eight-part series on Netflix that came out called Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, which is super cool because they took eight of her songs that have stories in them and made them into mini movies. That's cool. And she stars in all of them. <laughs> I love that. Just like a, you know, like she'll be like an angel or a shop clerk or something, but yeah. she's in all of them. Okay. So you may remember like f- four hours ago when I started talking, I re- mentioned that Dolly's father couldn't read. Mm-hmm. 
Well, illiteracy was a huge problem in Tennessee because they just didn't have the resources. Right. Schools are underfunded. Um, so Dolly said when she started to get successful, she wanted to do something to help raise the literacy rate in her hometown. So she started the Imagination Library, which is a book gifting program that mails free high quality books to children from birth until they start kindergarten, oh. no matter the, the family's income. So she launched in 1995, just oh in Seaver gosh, County. Oh my gosh, I love her. And she, by 2003, they had mailed 1 million books. Wow. It's now an international effort. Um, it covers, I believe, the entire state of Tennessee. It may cover the entire country. It might just be the East Coast. I couldn't really find exactly where in the U.S. it covered. Mm -hmm. um, it's in Australia, the U.K., and one other country. So it's international now. And in the NPR podcast, they they interview some kids at the University of Tennessee, mm -hmm. and all those kids were Imagination Library recipients when they were little. Oh, I love that because it's just kind of like a thing you go through in Tennessee when you're growing up. Um, and some of the books are like you know, teacher and education recommended things mm -hmm. like what's the one about the Giving Tree? Yeah, the Giving like Tree, like those kind of things. But um, some of the books are books that Dolly's written. Oh. And one of the books uh, is Code of Many Colors, which is based on her song that she wrote. So mm -hmm. when she was little, uh, they were obviously super poor. And her mom got this box of like fabric scraps and made Dolly this coat out of it. And she loved it because she felt like Joseph and her coat of many colors. Yeah. Um, and she wore it to school and the kids bullied her because it was a poor person's coat. It was ugly. They didn't like it. And so she wrote a song about it. Aww. and about how it like taught her resilience and being herself and made it into an anti-bullying book Aww. which i love um and then this is my one of my favorite dolly stories uh so back in 1991 the graduation rate in seaver county was so bad that 30 percent of kids did not make it to graduation day wow and she wanted to fix it and so she like funded research to identify why were kids dropping out of school? And they found out that in seventh and eighth grade, that's when kids decide if they're finishing school or not. Like mm -hmm. they, you know, depending on how they grow up and they just, they make their decision then. So that year she took all the seventh and eighth grade students in the entire county into or not entire county. Yeah. In the entire county into an assembly and at Dollywood. And oh. she said, uh, you know, I really want you guys to graduate. So right here now, I want you to choose a buddy. And if you can't choose one, I'll find one for you. Oh. And if you, both of you and your buddy make it to graduation day, I will personally give $500 to both of you. Wow. Um, I love her. And so the dropout rate went from 30% from the classes before them to 6% for that class. I bet. And that sparked a whole revolution of other movements and programs that helped to keep kids in that county in school. Wow. Um, so that's crazy. That is not a modern story, but it's one of my favorite. I love Dolly that stories. she also just like works with people. Like she's, she just loves people. She's so cool. She doesn't care like necessarily she's in the industry. Yes. But she's like, I care about the people. Yeah. She, she wants to help her hometown and I commend that. Yeah. Um, and then her biggest, most important contribution of all in November 2020, it was mm -hmm. announced that uh, her donation helped fund the Moderna vaccine yep. for COVID-19. So praise Dolly. 
Thank you, Dolly. She's saving saving all of us out here. That's right. Um, so the next section I just titled, Why is Dolly Important? I think I've told you many reasons why she's important, but I'm going to tell you more. Uh, so Dolly wrote songs that told stories of depression, abortion, infant death, infidelity, women's rights, and many, many other things before anyone was talking about them. And she does it in like this beautiful allegorical way that definitely comes from her mother's storytelling when she was younger. Um, it's influenced by those Smoky Mountain folklore type songs, but mm-hmm. with a modern spin on them. Um, in the interviews with Jad, she says that she she wrote a bunch of sad ass songs when she was starting to write because she took inspiration from the things that she grew up around. Um, the Smoky Mountains in the 50s were not a happy place to be like people were were dying left and right and just being mean to each other and she she knew better than that Mm -hmm. um just one quick example of of those kinds of things that she saw was daddy come and get me which tells a story of a woman who is literally just locked up in an insane asylum because her husband doesn't want to deal with her anymore wow he wants to go find a new wife and so he sticks her there and so she sings like daddy come and get me like i'm locked up where i'm not supposed to be i just want to go back home um and that's based on a story that like her aunt told her of someone that she knew that that happened to so she she dolly comes across as this like super bubbly confident sparkly person um but her songs are like really down to earth and authentic and talk about like things that she's worked hard to overcome and get out of in her life um one article that i read i stole this line she's not a one-dimensional paper dolly like Mm. she has multiple facets to her songwriting absolutely and then that's what's kind of led to one of the many things that has led to her popularity resurgence in the last like three years um she has just become this like outrageous hyper feminine unapologetic late 70s icon and there's no real like rhyme or reason to it she just kind of is in the right mindset at the right time and she's unproblematic there's this thing called i think it's called the zero score it's some kind of online approval score Mm -hmm. dolly is like almost close to perfect she ranks higher than anybody else because no one has perfect anything bad to say about her despite being raised in a conservative christian home she doesn't think of herself as religious she thinks of herself as spiritual yeah um she's she's never preaching any kind of ideology she just says that she constantly talks to god and he talks to her and she doesn't need a church to do it i I love it i love it so much thank you dolly simple Uh, simple and she has the power to unite two very different groups of people she's an icon to gays and drag queens just as much as country music lovers and those are two groups of people that do not often overlap yeah um some random facts that really didn't fit anywhere else dolly's never done drugs unlike most of the people on this podcast Mm. because she doesn't like losing focus i love it um but she totally understands like why people would do it especially in the music industry because you have to be going all the time right she just doesn't like the feeling of not losing control or not having control yeah um i'm gonna skip ahead to 
the other random fact that had no other place, there are very strong rumors that Dolly has two full sleeves of tattoos because if you look at photos, her arms are never showing. I hope that's true. Can we... Jad asked her about it and she says that she has some tattoos. They're not on her arms. She has like one on her, on her, like under her clavicle that covers a, like a surgical scar because mm-hmm. she'll admit she's had a lot of work done she doesn't shy from that um she says it look, takes a lot of money to look this cheap <laughs> <laughs> um so to cover up some of her various surgical scars she has gotten tattoos but they're like pastel butterflies and yeah they sound real cute um but i don't know why she covers up her arms very intrigued by this now yeah never noticed it until i started researching it um, so what is next for our, our legend Dolly? She's currently working on a Broadway musical about her life. Oh, I can't wait. In which she wants Kristen Chenoweth to play Dolly. Yes, there absolutely. Has, I, Kristen will say yes, I guarantee yes. you. There has never been a more perfect casting. Yeah. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, Dolly is getting up there in age. She'll be 75 in two weeks. Um, and so she's watched a lot of her musical legend friends pass away and not yeah. have a plan for what happens with their music and the rights to their music after. Um, she was especially, she's friends with Prince and she watched that oh, whole debacle of, yeah. you know, his like his vault of music that just is like sitting there and no one knows what to do with it because it wasn't clearly outlined yeah. in his will. And so she does not want to follow that path. That's smart. That, and that's exactly what they're running into with Prince is they're releasing things slowly, but it's going to take decades yep. before we hear everything in there. So she has planned out how she wants this stuff handled. She has like pre-recorded a whole bunch of stuff. They worked on like isolating all the tracks in her own music so that she can release a content library once she's gone that oh. will allow others to remix her art or mix her songs and rework her songs and re-record her songs i love her um she also has a ton of unreleased music stored up like i said the unreleased stuff from nine to five Mm -hmm. she has three thousand songs she's written so like there's a lot there yeah um and so she's totally cool with like people remixing stuff and reinventing her stuff because she she recognizes that you know music is gonna look different in 50 years but if someone else can adapt her her stuff to fit the soundscape, she's totally okay with that. Mm. Which ends with uh, my last bullet point of Dolly very well could be immortal. I hope she is. Because her music may live forever because unlike most artists, she has planned for what happens after she is no longer here to create music. But I hope she's here forever because I love her. Yeah. Um, her and the queen. Her and the queen and Betty White cannot die. Correct. And Tom Morello's mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and James Blackwood, the raccoon whisperer. Yes, James Put them Blackwood. All in the bunker to keep him immortal. These are this is our protect at all costs <laughs> um bunker of people. But that was like I said, a very flyby. If you don't go listen to anything else, go listen to Dolly Parton's America. Fantastic miniseries the people who worked on it did a fantastic job. They take seven episodes to cover everything. Whereas I only had like 40 minutes here. So, mm-hmm. um, go listen to some Dolly, go listen to Dolly Parton's America and, uh, you will not regret it. Uh, what are we drinking? We're now drinking water. Yeah. Because we drink 
pretty much all a bottle of wine. We both have to go to the gym at what? Six? I'm probably going to go earlier. <laughs> oh, jeez. Good luck. Uh, if I can get up, we'll see. All right. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You also can leave us a review. A special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at She Will Rock You Podcast. We also have an awesome She Will Rock You Podcast fam on Facebook. Go join the group. We talk about some fun stuff. Uh, you also can follow us individually at Beth Ann Tarpley or at LeahElizabeth.J. You also can send us an email. Let us know what you think at She Will Rock You Podcast at gmail.com. Other than that, don't do drugs. Be like Dolly. Be like Dolly. And I here you come again. We'll always looking love better. Leah, I'll, I'll sing that to you for our podcast that breaks up. Okay. <laughs> Pull out your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I should mention this. She always has these long acrylic nails. I don't I know. know how the hell she plays guitar. If my nails it. even have this much nail and I'm like, I can't make a chord. Oh now. yeah. Oh, even with uh playing piano. I have to keep them short because like, there's nothing worse than playing how does it with. She play with acrylics. I don't understand. Talent. Talent. Just genius and talent. She is genius. She is talented.